John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that post next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Down goes Duffy. Oh, Frank Mir does it again. Rock em, suck em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bull****. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Headshot, bang, done. Going down to miss, I couldn't do it. The all said I couldn't do it. Look at me now. Never did it. Headshot, down. Oh, good to be with you guys always. Sunday, the 10th of December, the year is 2023. It is 11.05 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You have tuned in to episode 453 of the Anakin Florian podcast presented by DraftKings on the DraftKings Network, DraftKings YouTube channel, audio wherever you ingest your podcasts. And if you have stumbled across us by accident, give us a few minutes. Hopefully, Ken Flo will just bring you right in. So uh, happy Sunday morning to you, Ken Flo. Obviously, the UFC fight night just expired. We'll get into all of that later in the week. We will have an even more extended UFC 296 preview than you will have today. We'll talk to Macy Barber as well. The UFC women's flyweight contender coming up on Thursday here on the DraftKings Network. But a lot to get into, of course, Song Yudong and everything else from last night. And then Ken Flo, 10 picks from you coming up in about 45 minutes for UFC 296. Six days out. I'm asking you for 10 selections. Yeah, thank you for that. It only took me like three, four hours to do all the research and watch all the videotape. Well, yeah, I have plenty of time. Right. Plenty of time, no problem. Well, I need points. So actually, I I actually do appreciate it. I uh, And you are I, cannonball. Not, not that I even have a chance of catching up to Brian Petrie at this point. But Well, you've I, shaved the deficit actually over the last several weeks to within yeah. striking distance. $1,672 or so, if my math is right. You go okay. four and one. Plus six hundred and seventy dollars, including a five hit, uh, a five unit hitter on uh, Song Yudong. So uh, you know, could be worse. If you don't know, by the way, and if you are locked into every Kenflow selection, you did text the group that you wanted to take your uh, your f- full five units to Song Yudong. That's right. Yeah, that the when the other fight uh, went south with Sumadarji and Nascimento, I decided to switch it up to Song Yudong, who. You know, I guess prove me right. Look great, and uh, I guess we'll get into that as well. But yeah, he just seemed focused. He seems dialed in, and he's putting it all together pretty well. All right, Ray Longo coming up in about thirty minutes, and Brian Petrie on the other side of Ken Flo making ten picks for UFC two ninety six. I wanted to just begin with something thematically uh, in terms of the UFC apex, and then we'll get into Song Yudong and Khalil Roundtree Jr. and everybody else. So I caught a couple of these tweets reading an article in synopsis on MMA Junkie, Kenflow. One of them says, and I think this was Damon Martin, one downside of the UFC Apex is the heckling can get really loud because there's hardly anyone in there. Dan, Dan Ige told me he had a guy who constantly barks at him during his fights. It got so loud one time that his opponent's coach told the guy to shut up. And then from this past weekend, uh, Chris Gutierrez just told someone in the crowd, fuck you, whoever said that. Someone replied, I said that. And Chris said, I bet you won't get in here and fight me. So certainly I would hearken back to the COVID-19 days before they even had plexiglass up in front of us. I mean, now that is not a reality. There are some fans in there. But Kenny, it is a unique fight setting. And as I've said repeatedly on these airwaves, with respect, not an ideal one. And you can see another reason why, like the athletes, in my humble opinion, on this level shouldn't have to deal with that. I've never been there, and it's something I've never considered. You know, certainly I've been there, but I haven't seen it during a fight. And 
That is uh, that is very interesting. You know, as a fighter, you have enough to deal with with that guy in front of you. <laughs> and hearing yeah. other people heckle you must be very annoying. And I think as a fighter, you have to do your best to shut that out or at the very least ignore it. Don't reply. Bring your attention to that guy that's in front of you, as, as difficult as it may be. Um, but yeah, that, that is something I, I never really considered. And, um, that, that is a tricky prospect. You know, you could, again, you could try to do what I just said, but it, it's very different uh, when you have someone who is heckling you and giving you a tough time, or especially when you're trying to dial in and listen to what your corner has to say. And, uh, yeah, that, that's interesting. I, I wonder what the UFC does with, with people that are doing that. You know, can they just kick them out? Should they just kick them out? I, I wonder, man, that's tricky. I think it's a pretty exclusive group in terms of who can yeah. actually get in there. So hope they can affect some change when it comes to whoever is actually heckling the athletes. But I do think there have to be some people that maybe are paying their way in there. Forgive my ignorance. But if they are right, right I guess it is their right to uh, to cheer and boo within reason. And yep. it's incumbent upon the athlete, obviously, and the coach to sort of be able to compartmentalize that and fight through that and not devote energy to that. Um to that end, let us get into the fight. And I thought the performance was pretty good overall for Song Yudong. He gets by Chris Gutierrez by unanimous decision. Can flow 50-45 times two, 50-44 from the third and dissenting judge. You know, I like Song Yudong on a microphone in his second language after the fact. I like the performance overall, even though maybe yeah. there were times when he could have closed the show. But he mixed up the martial arts and uh, he was the better man just a few hours ago. Yeah, I think this was a solid performance in regards to the evolution of Song as a fighter. Uh, I think that it wasn't necessarily the most uh, exciting fight, if I'm being candid, but I do think it was a solid uh, way of advancing your overall mixed martial, mar mar martial arts career by the way that he was going out there and executing different techniques from him uh, that we don't typically see, you know, uh, how he was timing takedowns, certain entries, certain counters and things like that. I would have liked to see a little bit more movement, a little bit more fainting on the part of Song Yudong. That's that's something that we typically see a little bit more of. Um, so perhaps a little regression there, but huge improvements in regards to his wrestling and how he went about winning rounds. So I, I think that is also uh, a very important part as far as understanding how to compete like a veteran mixed martial arts fighter. And I think that was also the difference here in, in this fight uh, between him as an opponent. Um, just the, the, the timing of how he went about things, how he was managing the clock, how he was winning the rounds, I thought was really crucial there. So on the other side for Chris Gutierrez, if we just could for a minute, you know, you heard Mark Montoya at one point say we sort of need more spinning stuff. And I do worry sometimes as the amateur MMA mind I may be when spinning stuff is such a big part of the equation in terms of your offense, right? That as the fights get longer and tougher, I'm just not sure you can always go back to the well with that. And I also feel like his defensive wrestling just wasn't there. I'm not sure the urgency was there for, for Chris Gutierrez at times. You know, I felt like Maybe at times his head wasn't in the game, whether it was the the glove grabbing or even on the stool after round four when he was talking about the shot to the back of the head. I mean, Mark Montoya always does a good job of centering his pupil. But, um, you know, I felt like Gutierrez was ready for prime time and uh, maybe just needs a little bit more seasoning overall. John Anik, shop as attack as usual. No, I, I agree, man. Listen, I, I think that um, there's a difference between what I call a trickster and a universal master. 
Um, I, I think the trickster has a bunch of moves that they utilize and, you know, they're looking to like use these things to surprise their opponents. And there's a difference between someone who's a universal master that has so much substance to their game. And then they can kind of go out and use these other moves, but they're so well-rounded and so complete as mixed martial artists. That's what kind of separates them at the end of the day than just having a few dangerous weapons here and there, because I don't think those are things that you can rely on consistently over time. Having a few tricks, once you get onto those tricks, it's like not a big deal. And throwing something like saying, hey, we need more spinning stuff. You're still kind of throwing the dice there. You have to be able to have that substance to your game where you have solid fundamentals, um, where then you can kind of fit those into the larger larger puzzle. And I don't think Gutierrez really had that. Um, so, uh, again, I, I think Mark Montoya is a great coach and things like that. And I think you're also playing to the strengths of your fighter and looking for those certain things. But I don't know. He needed much, much more than that. You know, I, I think he never really had any kind of counter countering ability when he was moving backwards. When he was in space and they were just kind of right in front of each other, his leg kicks were doing great. He looked good in that regard. But every time Song Yudong pressed him backwards, he really didn't have any effective countering ability. He just kind of circled away and was letting Song Yudong off the off the hook there. So I think that really was the difference. The experience factor, um, how we went about those rounds, I think... Um, it could be tough to just rely on a few tricks out there. Yeah. So Song Yidong's confidence was undeniable. Was it Tom Aspinall who recently put a hand on Sergei Pavlovich's shoulder before their heavyweight title fight, or was it the reciprocal of that? Either way, we had never seen this before, right before the glove touch, right? Both guys, Cody's telling me. So Song Yidong puts a shoulder on Chris Gutierrez, almost as if to say in this instance, like, you know, hey, man, don't take it personally. I'm about to big brother you, you know, but it was just weird for, for me to see this visual a second time. But I think Song Yudong's confidence really is undeniable. And, you know, he has this super shoddy UFC record and has handled a lot of, of spotlights well, main event spotlight more than once. And yeah. I do think he deserves to fight in China for the first time in four years, as he said on the microphone. And, uh, you know, I think the Piotr Jan fight makes some sense. So congratulations to Song Yudong and for Chris Gutierrez, you know what I say about these two-year championship setbacks. If the goal is to be a world champion, this is a two-year setback for Chris Gutierrez in terms of that initiative. And I do think there are a lot of lessons to be gained from this fight for him. And sometimes there are more talking points on the losing side of things. Like, I wonder when he and Mark Montoya ingest this film, like, these main event opportunities don't come around all that often. And I think they're going to look at this as a fight that really offered up some missed chances what did you make of the Imanari role, I believe it's called, out of Chris Gutierrez at the beginning of round five? Paul Felder obviously didn't like it on a microphone. Yeah, this guy's reading my mind today. Yeah, I, I think that uh, that was a, a major error. And again, to your point earlier about, you know, having these tricks like spinning moves or Imanari roles, you you can't just rely, you know, like in the NFL, you can't rely on Hail Mary passes to get you to win the game. You know, these are things that are kind of emergency situations. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I, that's never something that I thought he was known for. Maybe he's been working on this for years or something without our knowledge. But I don't know. I've never really seen him jump on submissions like that against people. And if you're going for something like that, to me, it seemed like he was like, ah screw it, let me just try this thing 
as one last-ditch effort, and that's never a good decision, especially relatively early in round five. Like, why aren't you going for, you know, something with substance, like a, like a proper setup for a knockout or – even I would have accepted a flying knee or something over over an Imanari role. Again, this is not, you know, a, a guy like Ryan Hall or some kind of like like true jujitsu specialist. Yeah, it's Gutierrez, and and I don't think his jujitsu is bad, but I don't think that was a great decision um, from a strategy standpoint to do that against Song, especially from so far out. So it, I'm not sure if that was him panicking and giving up on himself or. If that was a, a an authentic attempt at trying to win the fight, I I don't know. I, I I didn't love it either. Sometimes the answer can be I'm compromised and I'm not trying to get the knock the fuck out on national television, right? I'm right, not suggesting right. that was the answer here, but you know sometimes you know you feel what's coming back your way, and clearly the more consequential shots in this fight uh, were landed by Song Yadong, called by Mike Malott on his Instagram, the most talented martial artist he has ever worked with. So we'll wow. see. I mean, I hate to always say to you, like, what's the ceiling on Song Yudong? He's in a ruthless Bantamweight division that is now owned by Sean O'Malley. And sometimes I've said to recent Bantamweight contenders, I still think Sean O'Malley's a little bit underrated. My biggest question mark for Sean O'Malley, the champion that all these guys are chasing, is his durability. Um, but Kenny, I do think Song Yudong and a lot of these other guys see the champion as a beatable opponent right now in Sean O'Malley. So what do you think loosely is the ceiling for, uh, for Song Yudong in this 135-pound division? Yeah, no, I, I think he has a ton of potential. Um, obviously, an excellent athlete knows how to put it all together. Yeah, now. he's a good athlete. You know, there's no question about it. Um, I, I just think for him, I would I would have liked to seen more overall movement consistently throughout his fight. You know, I felt like he get ca- he got caught watching trying to set up moves without feinting his way in a little bit. I think if he was able to feint his way in a little bit more, if he was a little more consistent with like that constant perpetual movement, I think he could have hurt Gutierrez even more and maybe even uh, secured a knockout or TKO in that fight. So, you know, that, that that's my only criticism. But I think overall, it was a, a good way of leveling up his game, gaining more experience. I thought he showed a very good MMA IQ for the most part. Um, and Gutierrez is a good fighter. He is a good fighter. And anytime you're able to get 25 minutes in against another good fighter, yeah. uh, it, it shows that you're going to elevate your game. So I I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm willing to say he's championship material at this point. Certainly contender uh, material. Um, and again, this was another good stepping stone for him to advance his career and gain that experience. Got to think China's on the UFC calendar in 2024 and uh, Song Yudong figures to factor prominently in that equation. So before we get to the co-main event, Ken Flo, when we were doing our sort of sound check before the show, I said, all right, Cody, before we get started, anything I can do to improve the shot? And he said, nothing that won't offend you. And he sort of started, it was like ageism, right? Like he's 30 or 31 at this point, right? When he started with us, I think he was 28. I mean, I can go to the three shot if you don't want to see the wrinkles. Did that just work? Yeah, it did. Solo in the studio today, by the way. I need a little break from Boston Anik. You know, he's getting too popular in the YouTube comments. Speaking of which, by the way, we are trying to fine tune this studio. So if you do have... Not suggestions, but I feel like the audio should be pretty locked in today. So if, if it's not, please let us know. Audio, of course, is is among our primary concerns, and we will continue to work on the video side as well. But uh, let us transition to Khalil Roundtree Jr. over Anthony Lionheart Smith. And I don't consider myself the pronunciation police, Ken Flo, and we're going to spend yep. more time on the performance, right? But as guys get to this point in their careers, 
you better get their names right because when they become world champions, right? Like I oftentimes will tell people and our friend, Big Ron Pellegrino heard me tell the story recently. By the time Brandon Moreno became a UFC champion, I knew how to pronounce Tijuana correctly, yeah. right? There was a time in my career where I didn't pronounce Guadalajara nor Tijuana correctly. So thankfully, <laughs> you know, I'm old now, Cody. And by the time these people became champions, I pronounced it correctly. But uh, just in case Khalil Roundtree Jr. becomes a UFC champion, we have the audio file for you today. I know you want to say Khalil, um, but it is Khalil. Let's just hear the man himself say it to be sure. Khalil Roundtree? Khalil. Khalil Roundtree. Khalil Roundtree Jr., Ken Flo. Five consecutive wins in the UFC's light heavyweight division. He gets a bonus for his violent TKO of our good friend Anthony Smith. And, uh, you know, Khalil Roundtree Jr. is a real threat at 205 pounds. It is all built methodically, systematically to this point. There have been low points and high points. And, uh, you know, good to see this man, you know, inching closer to the top of the MMA world. Yeah, I, I thought that this was a, a critical fight for him at this at this point of his career, uh, mentally especially, you know, this I think there was a lot of pressure on him for this fight. I think this was one of the best opponents that he has ever faced in Anthony Smith. And I thought Anthony Smith looked really good at times during this fight. I, I, the power really is the difference, you know, I, I think here in this fight, because it's not like Anthony Smith wasn't landing some good shots himself. He certainly did that. I think the power, the speed of Khalil is something that uh, very few people have. Um, you know, and it, it's impressive to watch again in this fight. I think um, there was a slight regression in, in my opinion in Khalil and how he was moving a little bit. I thought he looked a little stiff to me. I think that he looked a little tense. His, his posture with his stance was a little, um, I don't know, not as efficient that I think I've seen before. I like seeing that kind of constant movement, that looseness. I think that's always going to help a fighter become even faster. And I think it's more confusing and it gives your opponent a lot more to process. That said, it didn't really matter. I think that his speed and power was throwing Anthony Smith off. He had hurt him a few times, at least three times during that fight on the last go. Khalil showed uh, very good patience and precision and finally taking him out there. Uh, and I, I, it was a nice buildup of, of techniques. You know, I think sometimes it can be a disservice to a fighter to knock them out really early in a fight. And I think this gave Khalil the ability to gain even more patience, more composure as he gets closer to a potential title shot. So overall, an awesome performance. Great result for him. Khalil, one of the nicest guys in the sport. And to see him get a result over a true veteran, an excellent overall mixed martial artist in Anthony Smith was huge for his career. What, did you have an IV this morning? Jesus Christ, this guy. I mean, how am I supposed to follow that? What am I possibly supposed to say? Maybe I'll acknowledge the referee, Mark Smith, who was all over it. And how about Khalil Roundtree Jr. Yeah. Kemper just holding the fist up in the air? Yeah. Like, like a movie. Like, it did. would you like me to kill a man or pause him? <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. So sometimes we've talked about Piorian and other fighters maybe playing with their food a little bit before they go in for the kill. I thought you hit on a lot of truths when it came to Khalil Roundtree Jr. And nice to win a fight so emphatically and be bonused even when maybe it isn't your best performance. But do you feel like there was anything to that or maybe just playing the long game a little bit, knowing mm -hmm. that Anthony Smith is such a threat and such a credentialed mixed martial artist that you know, you got to manage risk. Like, I felt like that was part of it, too. It's like, you know, Anthony Smith has the potential, like, not go away. And 
I thought yeah. of pressuring Anthony Smith really did a good job, especially early in the fight. So, yes. you know, maybe that had Roundtree Jr. a little bit off. But, yeah, he is poison uh, in the best of ways in a lot of respect. No question about it. I, I think, yeah, I think he was managing his energy really well in that fight. He was also certainly respecting that opponent in front of him and Anthony Smith. And I think you hit on an important point. I think Anthony Smith um, was doing great in that fight when he was backing Khalil up and utilizing those long-range weapons. I don't think Anthony Smith fought like a long fighter in this one. And because of that, allowed Khalil to land... To, to land a lot of those shots as they were kind of going tit for tat during that fight. And, you know, if you have those long range weapons that kick down the middle to the belly, that long jab, you got to utilize those repeatedly and not let, let Khalil get in that fight because he's just too damn dangerous. And I think that's where Anthony Smith allowed someone like Khalil to get back in the game. Of course, Anthony Smith took this fight on short notice, you know, so it, it that's not easy to get that thing going and to, and to get a, a proper game plan and to get your body acclimated to that style of opponent on short notice like that. However, I, you know, that would be my criticism for Anthony Smith because this fight was within reach. He could have won it. It is interesting when it comes to some of the recent career decisions for Anthony Lionheart Smith, and certainly some of them have to be financially motivated, right? I'm sure yeah. his show money at this stage of his career is pretty good, right? Um, but if memory serves, even the Ryan Spann fight, the rematch happened on relatively short order, him going to Singapore for that one. And this obviously on even shorter notice, but he competed well and uh, he was scheduled to be on the ESPN desk with us, with us this coming weekend. So uh, I would actually not at all be surprised to see him answer that call as well. So uh, an absolute warrior and a guy coming up on 60 MMA fights is Anthony Smith. So just should be commended for uh, fighting as hard and as well as he did. But uh, Man, Khalil Roundtree Jr. is just a frightening individual. And as we spin it forward for that man, he came in ranked number 11 in the world. Anthony Smith was number eight. This is going to result in a huge vault foot for Khalil Roundtree Jr. Kenful, I believe you can see those rankings there populated. Any thoughts on what you would like to see next for Khalil Roundtree Jr., who did try to lay the foundation for a fight against the newly minted champion, Alex Pereira. And why would you not, right? For those who maybe want to criticize that, I don't think a title shot is next. I think an eliminator, yeah. an eliminator makes a lot of sense. I don't believe Khalil Roundtree Jr. has headlined, if I'm not mistaken, uh, right? Maybe there was one of his fights that turned into a short notice headliner, but I don't believe that he has been the true man on a marquee. Um, you know, Alexander Rakic and Jan Bohovich were to fight. That is no longer happening. Magomed Ankalaev, number three in the world. He's matched up. Yuri Prohaska, number two in the world. Jamal Hill on the mend. Yeah, Magomed Ankalaev, Johnny Walker is a main event January 13th. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, Ken Flo. I mean, I, I think Khalil Roundtree Jr. is an interesting case. You know, I think maybe he bides his time, enjoys his holiday, and, uh, you know, sees how... Uh, some of these fights play out. Any thoughts on Khalil Roundtree Jr. in the uh, not-too-distant future? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it, a lot of it depends on who he takes on in his next fight. If he's trying to prove that, hey, listen, I can go against a guy who's trying to take me down, maybe he fights someone like a Nikita Krylov uh, and, and gets the win there. That would be big. I think he's about one or two fights away, no question about it. I think he's an exciting guy that people want to see fight. I think the UFC like his style, so he has that going for him. Uh, perhaps he can be in a situation where maybe he can be a, a a guy who can fill in on short notice, maybe for a title fight after one fight. But yeah, I think he's one or two away. Maybe maybe uh, Alexander Rockich, uh, one of those wins would be huge for him. Um, but as you start to get into that top five, top 
before, um, you know, I, I think those are some difficult fights for him. But again, another great performance for him to get more experience. But um, I would say he's probably two fights away from maybe getting a title shot. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't know that Nikita Krilov is booked right now. I think that makes a shit ton of sense. All right. Let us quickly transition to Nasrat Hack Perez. Ray Longo coming up here in about three minutes or so. So Nasrat Hack Perez, you know, you guys are in my head now with this cement head thing with respect to Jamie Malarkey. So now every time I think of the guy, you know, I'm thinking cement head. And somehow the cement block didn't hold up. Nasrat Hack Perest, uh, by equilibrium bender at 144 of round one. Kenflo, <laughs> your thoughts on uh, Hack Perez, man, you know, Forged by adversity professionally and personally, and now on a real run in a division that makes it hard to do just that. What'd you make of Hack Perest uh, getting a bonus for his troubles against Jamie Malaki? You're telling me that wasn't Kelvin Gastelum going back to back weeks uh, get, getting it done there? All right. No, they, they look a lot alike. No, listen, uh, Hack Perest looked great, man. I think this was the result uh, that he really needed. Um, I caught Malarkey. You know, Malarkey does get hit, you can't hurt him. But going in there with that killer instinct and taking him out when he needed to, I think, was huge. He landed a lot of crazy shots. I thought, actually, that it was a Keith Peterson who was the referee at the time. I thought he gave Malarkey a chance, I mean, a few chances to get back into that fight. But he, you know, probably could have stopped it even earlier. But, um, you know, that that's how you get it done, man. Hawk Perez is one of those guys that, tri that TriStar was really excited about for a long time. They were very excited with his potential. And I think that was one of those fights that was a clean performance for him. You know, you, you, you get it done like that, uh, that's a big result. Hawk Perez has, has won some fights, have lost some fights, but a lot of those going to decision. So I think this will be a big motivator for him uh, getting a win over a, over a dangerous guy in Malarkey because he is definitely dangerous. So I was going to tell you guys about what is available at DraftKings Sportsbook for UFC 296, but I'm going to table that, right? Because could you imagine, Ken Flo, if I left the star of the show, Ray Longo, yeah. in the waiting room while I labored through a 60-second commercial spot? So we'll table that for a little bit and welcome in the great Raymond Peter Longo. My guys. There he how is. How are we doing? How are we doing, guys? Happy Sunday. We're easy Happy. like Sunday morning. How are you, Raymond? Oh, Lionel Richie. I like it. Uh, very good. I got a very expensive cup of coffee today, so I'm happy. Talk to Tonight. me about the coffee. No, it tastes great. Oh, look at that Longo mug. Oh, my God. Oh, no. I'm sorry. It wasn't the coffee that was expensive. It was this fucking mug that uh, <laughs> <laughs> makes the coffee taste better. Laura Sanko said so. I mean, I have to have, I mean, let me shout out Ian Slosser. I'm sure UT's going to fucking be happy to hear his name on the podcast, but uh, thanks for the coffee cup. I got my, my students now buying me coffee cups. Is that what, what it's coming so, down to? Uh, Ian Slosser went to johnannick.com and bought Ray Longo, a Ray Longo Minute coffee mug, and that's what you're drinking out of today? Is that what's uh, going yeah. on? That's what's going on, baby. That's it. Well, sometimes I just got to clear it up for the people that don't watch the show that just oh. listen. To the day ones, of course, on the audio side. Oh, I thought I thought everybody watches the show, and I, I, I I'm not sure, but Ian told me this is the mug Laura Sanko drank out of. Yes, Ooh. it is. So just so because yeah. I know it's tasting a little better now. So there you go. Let me let me, right, let, me so, uh, let me try it one more time. Wait, let me. I'm in the middle of a bit here. Hold on a second. <laughs> Eating better has gotten a whole lot easier with Factors fantastic ready to eat meals. These meals really are delicious. My daughters actually were fighting me for them just last week. 
These meals are chef crafted, never frozen and ready to go in just two minutes. The convenience and the taste value is absolutely undeniable. And depending on your preferences, you can choose from over 35 different options per week. That includes calorie smart, protein plus and keto as well. I happen to have gone with the keto option, but whatever it is, your lifestyle or diet, if you are looking for fast premium options with no cooking required factor is the perfect solution for you. And we've done the math for you. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And how about this robust offer from Factor? Head to factormeals.com slash flow50 and use code flow50 to get 50% off. That's code flow50, F-L-O-50 at factormeals.com slash flow50 to get 50% off. Ah, yeah, it's uh, good. All right, go ahead, John. Let's do it. All right, so in the nature of clarity, we need to clear something up from last week. So, you were invited to the World MMA Awards coming up this Thursday, December 14th. You are twice nominated, right? Analyst, excuse me, not analyst, coach oh, of the year. Sorry. <laughs> Definitely not analyst of the year, right? I mean, come on, even the Minuteman would acknowledge that. No, I'm just kidding. No, that's still quite. No, listen, you got to know your place in this world. Kenny's, Kenny's top huh. dog, man. He, oh, I don't know what like drugs he ingested before the program today. I think it was a liquid IV or something. He, he's on he fire. fire. Yeah, man. I love it. Yeah. Um, it's worse though. When he's in a bad mood and on fire, it's worse. Like I can take good mood on fire, Ken, you know, but that he's in a bad mood, putting everybody in their place. All right. So in the nature of clarity, right? So you're nominated for coach of the year. You're nominated for the Anakin Florian podcast. We were hoping you were going to come to Las Vegas, but there is this, this movie role. Uh, you know, word on the street is that you might even be bullied into this movie role that is happening on the East Coast of the United States and not in Las Vegas. No, so, no, no. Last, you will not be with us this week. And uh, I guess if somehow you win this Coach of the Year award, you have somebody to walk up and accept on your behalf. Oh, yeah. I, th- I was going to say, I think Frivola was going to do, but now he's not going because I'm not going to. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I don't, there'll be somebody out there. Okay. But, uh, that- so if I win, maybe I'll fly out. Maybe I could still fly out. I don't know. When, right. do we f- when are you shooting this movie? Can you give I, us that answer? No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. I'll Can't give do it, that. I'll give it to you after the show. All right. This is unbelievable how top three. <laughs> hopefully, uh, bully was not the wrong, was uh, nah. was not the wrong verb for me to be using. We have a lot yes. to get to with you today, yeah, Raymond. Let's do it, we move man. on. To, we move on. Yeah, I yeah, know you so. prefer to talk about MMA than yourself. Without, anyway. without a doubt. That, that, Even speaking like, like a guy whose face is on his coffee mug. <laughs> Salud, John Attic. All right. So. I guess we can continue with our UFC fight night recap. I thought the night's biggest winner was uh, Khalil Roundtree Jr. Oh, Ken, for what you make of the light heavyweight contender. That are you going to Kenny or me? You? Oh, I'm going oh. to you. I mean, oh, I'm me. let me tell you, that is some scary ass power this guy's walking around with. Yeah. I mean, imagine that guy hitting a, a a normal guy out on the street. I think he'd knock him off his feet. I don't know where he's got. I mean, the power looks like it's just. And he was fast, man. His counters were quick. Uh, and, uh, man, and Lionheart's no joke, man. I mean, that's – that was scary power. That was that was Mike Tyson-esque in the early days. You know what I mean? Where whoever he hit was going. So, I think he's on a roll. Was he on a – he's got five win – he's on a five-win streak. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I tell you what, man, it looks like his head's in the right spot. He's at peace with himself in the end. I mean, he is slinging bombs, man. Even the fight they showed as the highlight. Who did he, he hit? He almost, oh, uh, poor Dorcas on the ground. I mean, that last swing that missed him. It might have killed him. I mean, I'm telling you, it looks like freakish power to me, man. Really, I just, agree. And it seems like a nice guy. So, and hats off to um, to John Wood too. He looks like he's got a good guy there, man. So great job. Yes. And and Deb, that guy's he hits you, he's gonna hurt you. He's that type of guy. There's no doubt he's the nicest of the nice, Khalil Roundtree yeah. Jr. And uh, yeah. Kenny, real quick in terms of that Mike Tyson comparison, yes, at times Roundtree Jr. is swinging from the hips with everything behind it. Like some of his misses look fatal, potentially. Yeah, fatal, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when he misses, it's like, dude, thank God. Like, cause Anthony Smith definitely ain't working with us next week. If that one right. actually. Yeah. Let it, yeah. Know? And I'll tell you, John, really good point. Cause that, that's really the, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, and I, I see this shit every day, but some of those misses you're going, Holy crap, man. If that thing would have landed, like either his fist is breaking or his head is breaking, like one or the other. I mean, I don't even know how his hands are holding up to that. I mean, whoever's wrapping his hands is doing a good job because there's some heavy power behind that. Yeah. A few years ago, I feel like he turned a corner where he really was willing to unleash that power. I think that like maybe the nice guy took over a little bit or maybe he wasn't as confident as he was as he is now. But whatever it was, there was a switch that happened a few years ago where he started to really believe in that power. And uh, it's been it's been paying off for him for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, really, really looks like a dangerous guy. And plus, he took a couple of good shots. He stayed calm. He was relaxed. Yep. He did take a little bit and he didn't even flinch. He looks like he's just in the zone right now. That's what it looks like to me. This guy is zoned out. He's in a good spot when he goes in there. He's in a good spot when he comes out of there. And I, it, it just, John, like you, you did say it. Some of those misses were like, like sometimes that happens in the gym where a guy throws like a like a vicious head kick and the guy ducks and I'm like, <laughs> you know, like even yeah. even to this day I'm like, holy crap, like I didn't see it coming and uh, I'm just glad the guy ducked. But yeah, that's I I'm, I feel your uh, I feel your sentiments exactly. Five straight wins for Khalil Roundtree Jr. Now you just got to continue to improve this version, right? Try to be in the best shape of yeah. your life. Because even though this division doesn't necessarily require you to be like the five-tool player at the top that maybe some others do, right, with respect to the light heavyweight division, like now it's all in front of you. You know, we'll see what you can do. And speaking of which, in terms of Tim Elliott stepping up against Sumu Darji here, Ray, right? thematically bigger picture congratulations to tim the ultimate veteran right not at all in shape laura sanko his former teammate saying that he had like two practices for this fight and kenny i certainly want your thoughts on this as well but you know tim elliott the father of one getting a fifty thousand dollar bonus right like he's going into his holiday there just aren't that many guys who are willing and able to step up and there are just so many opportunities out there for athletes ray that uh that are willing to you know, sort of put their careers and lives on the line on short notice. Yeah, look, Tim Elliott's one of those guys, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, he he definitely has championship qualities. There's no question about it. I mean, I think when he fought Demetrius, he was close to maybe choking him out or, I mean, I, I, you know, close doesn't count for anything. But I'm saying you could see that this kid could have been a champion. And some of these guys hit a point where – 
it just clicks. You know, they have that aha moment where mm-hmm. I'm just going in and fighting. Like it's not about like he 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 reframed what he what he thinks about fighting, and you could see it in his performance. To step on a short sh- short notice like that and have a performance like that is absolutely fantastic. But I think anybody who's followed Tim Elliott sees what a talented kid this guy's been for years. But, you know, you know, some of the backstories, if you, if you have problems at home that could pay you, that could really affect you really, really bad with the fighting. I mean, I don't think there's anything worse for even me as a trainer or a guy as a fighter. If he's fighting with his girlfriend during the camp, you're almost worthless at that point. And whatever he's gone through, it looks like he's coming out the other side. I think he's a super dangerous guy. He's got the talent. And now it looks like he's accepted just, I'll go in, I'll fight anytime, anyplace. I think the guy's always going to be dangerous. I don't even care what his record is. He's, he's a dangerous guy and I'm, and I'm happy for him. It looks like he's a, he's a good guy and, and he did great, man. I, I, I think he's, you know, but Kenny, I don't know. I mean, he's always been good. I mean, he's just finds a way to lose sometimes. You know what I mean? You feel like yeah. something just, he's looking good and then he just checks out, you know, but if he doesn't check out and he changes it the way he's looking at things, he's just as talented as anybody else in that division. He could be a champion easily. No question about it. I, I think also he's one of the rare fighters that you can't possibly 100% prepare for. He's so unique yeah. and so unorthodox. Really I mean, I've never seen a guy actually try to like double risk control a guy during a fight. Like he almost like he helped block, he'll do unusual things that you're like, you do do not see it in sparring. So just his movement, I think, is unusual. And it's cool yeah. to kind of see that his own spin on the way that he fights. It was really cool. And I agree. And it's interesting because I have a, a buddy of mine, one of my students, one of my fighters um, who's starting off his career, who hopefully will move pro next year, recently trained with Tim Elliott. He happened to be uh, – Tim Elliott came in and and uh, and he's like, we did not spar. He's like, we just fought. And, and he goes, Tim Elliott – wasn't even breathing and, and yeah, he yeah. wasn't really getting ready for a fight. But he said, he told me that Tim Elliott's one of those guys. It doesn't matter what's going on. He's always in shape. It seems or it has yes. just unusual conditioning where he's just always ready to rock. And to see that, you know, what he said after the fight, I, I think he proved that he's like, I'm ready to go next week, whatever you need me for a late, late last minute replacement. I'm willing to hop in there. And I think that attitude helps because you have to have that balance of like not putting pressure on yourself when you fight. And it seems like he's real. He's almost ready. It's, it's, it, despite everything that he is going on outside of the cage of putting everything aside and almost not caring and just kind of focusing on the fight, you know, and, and um, you could see his, his skills coming out. Some things he does, I think are very risky, but, He's fun to watch, and Without you know that doubt. that is Tim Elliott in there with his own spin on fighting, enjoying himself, trying to go out there, and still has that passion for fighting and winning fights. Yeah, and then Kenny, the UFC loves risky. They love yes. that. You know right. what I mean? And he's willing, like, again, he's willing to do it week after week. I think it was heartfelt. I think he would go right back in there next week, 100%. Uh, I thought he was good. Like Some of these guys that have been around for a while and they stay, stay healthy enough, to last that long to have these moments. Like I'm saying Roundtree's there too. Roundtree's been around for a while too. Now I don't think as long as Tim Elliott, but these guys, when they, something hits man, because fighting is very, very mental and whatever it is, I think these two guys are examples. I think their post fight speeches proven, even Roundtree calling out Alex Pereira. I mean, that that's crazy too, but you know what? 
who the fuck doesn't want to see that fight? I'm right with him. That's a that's an somebody that fight doesn't go past a round and a half. Impossible. Yeah. Right. You know, well, I mean, that's right, a, though, yeah. Ray, like for a lot of guys, it doesn't click for most fighters. Yeah. It doesn't click and it goes the other way. But I think for yeah. a lot of athletes, right? Nasrat, Hack Paras, clearly it clicked when you yes. thought, oh, maybe he's on the fringe of maybe getting cut at some point in time. And now look at him. And for Khalil Roundtree Jr., in terms of the longevity, Ray, that was his seventh light heavyweight knockout. Only two men have more. They're Chuck Liddell and Shogun Hua with 10 and 8. Crazy. Crazy. Right? So, look yeah. at that company. Khalil Roundtree Jr. in some good company, uh, to be sure. Anything for us on the main event before we get to UFC 296 and some of your guys? It was Song Yudong over Chris Gutierrez. Main event was just okay for me, Ray. Any thoughts on the uh, Bantamweight main event? Uh... Yeah, it looked like uh, Gutierrez. I mean, he seems like a nice guy. It looks like he was having a little bit of a breakdown in there for some reason. And I thought even though the scores were lopsided, it definitely was a close fight, right? Going into the maybe the fourth, fifth, he started yeah, getting the, controlled yeah, the on the floor. You know, but I mean, if, uh, if easy to score. But you could see when it, with the headbutt thing, he was so focused on the headbutt. I mean, not a headbutt. Uh, the guy hit me behind the headbutt. You know, shit happens. You know what I mean? So you could see there was a little... He got a little frantic in there, and I don't think he ever came back from that. But uh, not the most exciting. You know, it was exciting. Who got knocked out really bad that grabbed Chris Tognoni's leg? Oh, so Steve Garcia, mean machine, yeah. got uh, Mel Cazale Costa out of there with that knockout. And then, uh, yeah, the referee having I mean, to showcase his wrestling defense. Very, very disappointed in uh, the ref. He grabbed the fence. Did you see that when the guy was trying oh, to take maybe? him down? Oh, he was so holding the fence, yeah. people lauding Chris Tognoni's takedown defense if he, he grabbed the I, fence? I, I think he grabbed the fence, John. I'll be honest. We got to go back and look at that. But uh, gotta, He should, should have had a no, point taken away. No, I, I think somebody should go to his house and take a point away today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, great. <laughs> I don't think that was the sound effect I was going for. God damn it. It worked, no though. No, that was good, John. That was good. But hats off to... Chris Tank, no, he did a great job in that fight. But imagine that you're getting tackled by the you're, – you're in a fight. I, <laughs> yeah. I think he he was holding the fence and he was going for a switch, I think. I think the guy was right on the money. So hats yeah. off to him. Nice guy, too. All right. I don't know if I want to bury the lead here. I think I'm just going to get to UFC 296. Leon yeah. Edwards and Colby Covington are fighting in about six days, Raymond. You see I'm, like, bracing on my seat right now. Yeah. Let's just go to the wide shot for this conversation for a second. Yeah. Right. So right now, Leon Edwards is the betting favorite. He made good on his first defense of the title against Kamar Usman, now defending against Colby Covington. He thinks stylistically there are some similarities, just a little bit more output coming from Colby Covington. What say you about the undisputed welterweight championship this weekend? Well, I, I agree with that, what he said. Uh, I think uh, Leon's going to get it done. Uh, man, Col when was the last time Colby fought? March 2022. March 2022. Yeah, it's a... Long layoff, so I don't, I don't know. I'm going with I think Edwards is uh, I think those fights with Camaro really couldn't have prepared him any better for a fight like this. So he kind of, but he's right though, it's not that Kobe's more of a grinder. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm gonna, I'm picking Edwards if that's what you're asking. Yeah, no, we'll take a prediction. Yeah, right? yeah, mean, yeah I'm, I'm picking Edwards in that like fight, although. Yeah, I just think, you know, that grinding style gets old as you start getting older or you're inactive. I'm sure he's been training the right way, but uh, I think Edwards is the fresher guy. 
and he could do some damage with his hands and feet. And I'm just going with Edwards. I think he's got the experience from the Usman fights, and uh, he knows exactly what to expect. For I don't think there's any secrets in what's coming. It's can you handle that pressure, and hopefully he's training. Not hopefully, but whoever wins wins, but uh, training the right way for that, and I think he'll be fine. Kenny, you had a lot of unique stylistic challenges in your career. I'm wondering if you ever fought like the cardio guy. And I talked about this earlier last week, just in preparation of UFC 296, doing some media, just in terms of the sort of mind alter that is fighting Colby Covington, right? Obviously, Leon could get him out of there early, but knowing that Colby's probably not going to go away, in theory, doesn't that bring out your best in training, knowing that you kind of, for this particular challenge, have to be in the best shape of your life? Uh, not always, but it should. You know, when you yeah. have a guy that you know is not going to go away like that, a guy who is mentally tough, a guy that is always going to be in tip-top shape, you can't expect him to get tired. And you, you have to kind of expect that that first round is going to look exactly like the fifth round, maybe even worse. Like, that's what needs to be in a fighter's mentality. And I think that Leon Edwards, with all of his experience, fully understands that. Kamaru Usman, I'm not sure, has that same kind of pacing that crazy pace that Colby Covington has. So I'm curious to see how Edwards is able to diffuse that pressure and, and how well he's able to withstand that and how mentally tough he really is because that's one of those things where you're going to be in a gut check. If you go against a tough opponent, but it's a manageable pace, you can figure it out. you know. But when you have a guy, like I, when I fought Clay, uh, Clay Guida, I had it in my head that he was not going to go away. He was going to be in my face. He was going to push, and I was probably going to be tired uh, during that fight or the majority of that fight. And um, th that's the that's the kind of energy that Colby Covington brings, which is why I think it's such an interesting fight. Um, so, and, and it's also very different of having someone who is trying to utilize that with wrestling in particular when you are not. Uh, a wrestler by trade. So a uh, very, very interesting fight. And Colby Covington's conditioning has always been a weapon for him, similar to like a knockout shot or a submission. I think it's that good. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I agree with, uh, I, I do agree with Kenny. I just think, uh, I, I just think that grinding style, there comes a point where it just slows down just a hair. Like you, like I agree with you, like that first round you have to expect, that for the whole fight. But, you know, as time goes on, that first round, you, it doesn't happen all the time. You know what I mean? That, that, I, I, I just haven't seen the guy fight. I mean, what has he got? A year and a half layoff? Yeah, you know, two years in March. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, I, I tell you that, that's where I think the difference is to me. But I, you know, I've been wrong with that a million times. Just guys taking fights too early. They end up winning, you know, but they end up losing the next fight. So sometimes it takes a while, but, uh, yeah, he's got that style. He's got that grinding style. We'll see. That first round is going to be critical. I think we're going to get a good look at how that fight's going to play out. It's either going to be a long night for somebody, or it's going to be a long night for either one of them. <laughs> Whoever can implement their game plan for sure. If Kobe can't get that fight to the floor, I think he gets tuned up really bad. Uh, but if he can, you know, get some control time and you know grind it out like that, then he's going to have a good night. All right, some other things. Rapid fire here for Ray Longo on UFC 296. Let him clear his throat first, though, people. Oh, my Lord. This sound stuff is crazy. 
So Shavkat Rachmanov is 17-0, favored perhaps prohibitively, according to some, over your guy, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Stephen Thompson, a plus 390 underdog this weekend. Your thoughts on WB, who will be 41 in February. Taking on the man who's all the rage in the welterweight division. Now we're going with two nasal clears before. Oh, this. Oh my this answer God. better be good. This answer <laughs> better be good. You getting a haircut, by the way? I did. Doesn't pull me out of coming up. You get a haircut yeah, before you Monday, go corner in? Monday, I have to. I'm getting a haircut. Jesus, Mary, the guy's killing me today, Kenny. Jesus, uh, Mary, and Joseph, this yeah. guy's tough on me, you know? Uh, I just want yeah, you to be able to, uh, you know, just stun him, right? Your eyes bring everybody in, but it'd be nice if they could see your ears, too. Yeah. Uh, uh, what do you got first on Stephen Thompson? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, 41 in February. I, Age is just a number, right, Cody? Cody was fucking banging on me earlier about my age. You know, what? I think I look okay. 45. How, how, old, how old are you? About, I'm 45. Wow. Getting up there. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, actually the only fighter can flow to walk up to my twin brother who has hair down to his rear end and say to Jay, Dude, I love, John, what you've done with your hair, man. It looks great. <laughs> and I guess I would pardon Stephen Thompson, right? Because everybody's going to Turkey these days, right? Clay Guida and Eric Nixick and everybody else going to get new hair. So maybe he thought that I was cut from that cloth. I'm not. I just shave my head all the time, you know, because I want to look tough. Wait, update me on that. Who's going to Who's going to Turkey for new hair? Clay Guida. There have been a lot Clay, of people. I mean, really? Yeah, Guida? Yeah. So I think that's Zach Al Hassan went too. If you want to get some depth to the conversation, oh, shit, man, I'd like to fluff yeah, up like my hair. I want this. to fluff up my hair a little bit. I'm going. Yeah, I guess no, the, you don't need it. I want a total wig. I want a total wig up here. Yeah, I got bald spots. You have a bald spot on the back? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Really? It's been, it's been there for about 15 years, though. You yeah, watch. You got a lot of hair, though. Right? It hasn't. It hasn't gone anywhere. But uh, I'm going to go to Turkey. That sounds good. <laughs> Wait, wait, well, Nick's, sure Nick's Nick's six, wait, wait, hold on. Nick's, Nick Six got hair on his head, no? I believe he went for a treatment and was very public about it. Wow. Yeah. Well, if I go, I'll be public too. I'm not hiding no secrets. But uh It is amazing uh, though, the the triple seven wings you got on the side of your, your ears right oh, now. Oh no, this is bad. No, it's it's, yeah. it's actually really bad. I tried combing it down today too. You did, right? More See, saliva. You need more saliva, Rick. Yeah. The Minutemen so. think I'm banging on you. Nah. And yet here you are. If you're audio only, this man just licked his palm and is trying <laughs> to slick back his hair on the Japanese network. This is the content that uh, you I might, have a hat on right now. Yeah. I got to start wearing a hat. But uh, what do we got? Listen, tall No, I got for, a few other things, right? I have yeah, you wait. until noon. Do I not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tall yeah, order no, for one. Says I got six more minutes, so yeah, I can. Yeah. Let's go rapid right. fire. Okay. Wonder Boy, this is a tall order at 41 to take on a a, a monster like this. Uh, look, I still think standing up, you know, if the fight stays standing, Wonder Boy, he's got tricky enough stuff to where, you know, if you're not used to it, he could catch you. Uh, obviously, he's got to keep that fight standing. And we'll see what uh, – uh, I'm not even trying to pronounce this guy's name. but Shavkat. What's Shavkat. We'll see what Shavkat's – you know, is he going to try to take the fight to the floor? Will he try to test the standing, see if he's the uh, alpha male there? I think uh, the longer that fight stands, even though that's still a tall order, Wonder Boy's got a shot at, at getting it done. So let me ask you this, and this dovetails with one of our two 
Anakin Florian podcast poll questions this week of the three massive betting favorites on pay-per-view, right? Shavkat Rachmana being one of them, Patty Pimblett and Ian Machado Gary. In whom are you most confident to win? And I guess reciprocally, you could ask if you like any of these underdogs. Kenny's about to make 10 picks coming up here in five minutes. But I'll ask you, Ray, like Tony Ferguson is fighting Patty Pimlet, right? The odds makers suggest Tony has a better chance to win than Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Is it fair of me to ask you, like, which of those two guys do you think is more live as an underdog this weekend? Because they both seemingly on paper would be up against it. Well, what are the odds on that? I mean, it's, it's actually not fair because I love Wonderboy, but, so I'm never going to. So WB right now is plus 390. Tony Ferguson is plus 285. So Wonderboy is is the biggest underdog on the main card. Uh, no, I don't agree with that. I think okay. uh, Ferguson should be a bigger underdog than uh, Wonderboy. Okay. Looks like you got Anthony DeLemme fighting Keith Speed. On Fight Pass December 15th, Pumi Nakuda fighting Hunter. Yeah. Is it Starner or Sterner or Storner? Let's say Starner on the yeah. same card. So you're getting your haircut. Is that why for CFFC? For the cameras? Yeah, yeah, for CFFC. Right. But not for the Anakin Foreman <laughs> podcast. You can get your haircut. Oh, I will. Uh, oh, oh, my right. God. This guy's brutal. No, no. I meant to get a cut last week. It just didn't happen. Right. Uh, any thoughts that. on Anthony or Pumi or anything? Yeah, but these guys are okay. looking great. They had great camps. Pumi's jumping in at the last minute. And we also have uh, Armando Gaetje fighting for a title. And there might be one other guy on the card we're just waiting to see who's an absolute beast coming up. Wait till you see this kid. Uh, we have yet to even get him a fight because nobody's accepted. But he's, uh, he's a Georgian, another Georgian kid. Oh, oh wow. He's a, a Georgian who lives in that... Uh, I think it's different because he's in that Russian occupied part of Georgia. But uh, what a sweet kid. He's Kenny, super talented, like crazy nice. talented. And he's like 22, 23. So uh, I think he's undefeated, like 3 and 0. And uh, yeah, we're just trying to get him a fight. So hopefully he'll fight up a weight class if the guy accepts. All right. Last thing before we let you go Aljamain Sterling, seemingly, if his content is to be believed, he's punting on the Max Holloway fight. He says that maybe Max is in pursuit or in thought about other bigger opportunities, potentially if Ilya Topuria can get past Alexander Volkanovsky, perhaps there's something else. Justin Gaethje, I don't know. But Aljo wants Calvin Cater. What are your thoughts on that New York versus Boston clash that, if nothing else, would give this show a whole lot of content? Uh, well, the, the Holloway fight's not going to happen. That that I could tell you. Chair uh, to elaborate or no? Uh, I think they got different but my understanding is they have uh some big plans for holloway coming down the pipe so okay. that that fight's not going to happen uh i don't know what the ufc is going to do with him uh he wants to cater fight uh which will be a crazy fight i really respect Cater's stand-up i think he's a I, i've always been a big fan of calvin cater but you know it's like when i'm talking to Joe, it's like he wants the fights that if he wins, he gets a, you know, he moves forward towards, uh, right. towards like a title shot. So I think he's at a spot in his career. And that's what I kind of was talking to him about. You know, you got a couple of ways, which ways you want to go with this. But I think his, in his heart, he wants to fight the best of the best. And, uh, and that's what he's going to, that's what he's aiming to do. So I said, you could go the money route, take a money fight, maybe a little easier fight, or you go for a, a tough fight. Against a guy like Cato, but that the win will mean way more than two yeah. lesser opponents. So that's 
that's Aljo's mentality, which I think is great. Um, but he's still enjoying his 200 pounds that he's walking around. <laughs> so yeah, he's got, I think if he fights cater, it might have to be a 55 <laughs> at this point. <laughs> yeah. So much of, of life though is about timing, but leverage and Aljamain Sterling in theory would have a lot of leverage as a former champion. I would think that fight would be hugely appetizing for someone like Calvin Cater, perennial featherweight contender to fight a former champion, not unlike the Davison Figueredo fight has immediate appeal for a lot of guys at 135 pounds. So yeah. I think Aljamain Sterling and Calvin Cater has a lot of sense. Uh, Boston versus New York, I think behind it uh, would be very good. And that's a very respectful call out. Everybody respects Calvin Cater. It's not a, there's no, absolutely no disrespect at all with that, but he's got to pick somebody that makes sense. And, and then the UFC has got to agree with, you know, what, what he's trying to align himself with too. And that's a big part of the puzzle too. We don't know what the UFC has planned for him, but as far as I'm concerned, Aljo has nothing to prove at this point. I think he should take the fights that really interest him. So he gets motivated and, uh, yeah, he's in the history books, you know? So I think it's all icing on the cake from here. Well, Ian Machado Gary would suggest to you that if a fighter signs on the dotted line to fight him, that's an insult in and of itself to suggest that you think you can beat that fighter, right? So, you know, Aljo seems to think he can beat Calvin Cater. I mean, you want this all just rooted in like ultimate respect. How about a little New York versus Boston? I think we need to up the ante, you know? <laughs> Maybe we should no, make I mean, them both. Of... What's that? Yeah. Well, I tell you, if we put them both in a batting cage, I'm definitely going with Calvin Cater. For sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if we put yeah. him in a batting cage, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Ray, what does the rest of your Sunday hold, my friend? What is the rest uh, of your Sunday? I got to run down to the gym, do a couple of privates, do some conditioning with the guys, and that's it. The guys that are fighting. I think a couple of guys are coming in today. So <clears throat> we'll see what we have on the agenda when we get down there. All right, buddy. Well, we will miss you in Las Vegas. Hopefully someone is there yeah. to accept any hardware that comes your way on your behalf and uh, have a great day and a better evening. We'll talk to you next week. And let's, let's talk before that. When are you leaving for Vegas? My cell phone's always open. You know, I know you don't like wow. to impart upon me bad news, right? So you said you were going to call me back, right? The call back. Oh, never wow. came. You, you, you <laughs> broke the news. You told me that you, know you weren't going to come to Vegas. It's like, fine. Kenny, yeah, Kenny, you hit a point in time where you call the people that pick up the goddamn phone, though. That's the problem. <laughs> exactly. I, it's not like I don't got time to freaking hit, get the voicemail. Like I sit Send there the voicemail. The That's what you yeah, right. Send the voicemail. Call you back. Let the record show, at least last week, if you're only as good as your last phone call, it was a one-way street of me calling Longo. But yeah, right, get well, ahead, call, we'll talk to you next I, week, huh? Pick pick up the phone later. I'm calling you. I'll take right. a couple of things. Right. Take, right. take it easy, guys. All right. love, love you, baby. Bye. All right, so we're taping into the NFL window today. So if you think there is a chance in hell I'm taking his phone call on an NFL Sunday, there is absolutely no way. So uh, he'll try Cody maybe thereafter. All right, 10 predictions on UFC 296 coming up in about a minute. Something special is going down live on pay-per-view this weekend. It is UFC 296. And DraftKings Sportsbook is helping you come out on top in this epic encounter between Colby Covington and the champ, Leon Edwards. So right now, Leon Rocky Edwards, the betting favorite, minus 140 or so on DraftKings Sportsbook. Covington, plus 120 on the comeback. All sorts of proposition bets available as well for what will be the last UFC card of 2023. So now is the time to get in on the action with us. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code AFPOD. New customers get $150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 only on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC with code AFPOD. The crown 
is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash MMA for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right. Last pay-per-view of the year. I'm excited. You're excited. She's excited. They are excited. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Annie. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Annick and Kenny Florian podcast. Brian, it's nice to see you. Big week coming yeah. up for the men in brown yeah. and the women in brown, obviously, on Monday. UPS, my man. So uh, yes. I'm having you guys make 10 selections today, six days out. Not ideal for a handicapper. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I switch on my own podcast. I record on Wednesday. I post on Thursday. And I did switch my clear round three pick on mine. I didn't text the group chat because I'm like, you know what? You know, let's let's run the underdog, see if Kenny can get some momentum here. But yeah. I did switch Michael around to you, but I got banged up. I got a little stomach, some some bad barbecue. So I was uh in bed watching fights last night for the first time, I Dang. think, in ever. It was actually quite cozy. It was nice, but I only had three bets, so I wasn't painting the board like yeah. I usually do. Brian, what what's the what's the most amount of fights that you've bet on? Like, have you ever uh, done a 10 fight? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of people like to do the lotto parlays. They just bet every fight parlay, see if they can win, hit that lotto. Yeah. I don't do that. But there, let's just say every fight I'm betting some kind of action. It could be multiple props. It could be money line. Right. I rarely lay off fights at all. I have some kind of spot I where it. I like on every fight. So if there's 14 fights, I could do 24 bets in a card. You know what I mean? Wow. I just Yeah. I mean, uh, they're, they're smaller bets. They're not as, as pronounced as a sure. full unit. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm usually painting the board. So Kenny, I can't bet on combat sports, right? But just to give yeah. you some lens into my world, right? So last Saturday, I had a total of thirty wagers for. <laughs> my- <laughs> yeah, I mean, thirty so wagers amazing. for minus eight hundred and thirty-two dollars, right? And then on Sunday, I had thirty-three wagers for plus nine hundred and ninety-three dollars. So we there cleaned up all of that Saturday yeah. mess with the yeah. NFL, but sixty-three bets on the weekend. Yeah, John Anik, professional gambler, part-time commentator. Guys, killing it. How I well, see it. <laughs> it's interesting because when I talk to my kids about passion, or when I think about a career change or a different right. directive when it comes to my broadcasting career, certainly you could argue what I am most passionate about is is betting on sports and the fact that we're bleeding past one p.m. Eastern to uh, tape this UFC two ninety six preview doesn't sit particularly well with me. Uh, all right, so. I do want to discuss this with you guys before we get to the pronunciation of the week and the 10 selections for UFC 296. Just very quickly, because this is our last main event challenge of 2023, I want you guys in our audience to think about a revamped main event challenge for 2024. And largely, I kind of want to give you guys a $1,500 budget every week to make your bets, right? Mm -hmm. And I think we're moving in that direction, right? I want to maybe figure out a way for you guys to bet progressively so that if you are up or down, right, that maybe you would be able to bet more than 1500 to make it more 
realistic in terms of your actual bankroll. So an exercise mm-hmm. like this might require you to make 10 picks and we would keep your overall win-loss record for some sort of challenge. But overall, when you're thinking to 2024 and our listeners and viewers are as well, you're probably going to get a budget of like two grand and might even be able to do something can flow as simple as a $2,000 straight wager if you're so inclined. So, I, I like this. It's kind of like F1 where they change the rules every year. So you kind of have to change your strategy and your approach. Mm-hmm. I, I like this, John. stuff. What do you think? I get DMs all the time about people with great ideas and stuff about how to change it. Cause they love the, the love, the segment. The one guy said, Hey, listen, BB, it was a fun, it was a voice note. He goes, BP, give Kenny a shot. Let him do five unit wax on all the fights. Let him, <laughs> let him just go over five units every time. That was a little bit of a joke, but no, I love that idea. Give us a budget. Keep us in the budget and uh, more picks. And then the picks add for something, but also your dollar value adds for something as well. Because like I said, we're, we're getting, you know, all these fights we pick, we're getting hit on like we bet all 10 fights, full units, which isn't realistic, which you've been bringing up all year, Johnny. So I kind of like that. All right. So team Florian had another big week, four and one plus $670 team Petrie three and two, but you did lose your five unit hitter. So minus 825 or so the swing overall was like 1495 Florian within striking distance, about $1,700 down. And we, as we come up on UFC 296, we do have a pronunciation of the week and Brian, I feel yep. kind of bad throwing this your way because you sure. seem a little bit under the weather. A little bit, a little banged uh, up, but I'm good. I'm good. I got some caffeine pumping through me, Jay. All right. So we talked earlier about Khalil and not Khalil Roundtree Jr. on the program, because in case this guy becomes a world champion, we need him to be Khalil because that's the way he says his name. So we got a guy nicknamed Raw Dog fighting for the world title this weekend. And we're just trying to do a public service announcement here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So who is the name of the world flyweight title challenger taking on Alessandre Pantoja this weekend? I would pronounce this man's name, Brandon Royval. Oh, you it's just like butter. I mean, let's hear him it. say it. You sounded great today, though. Brandon Rodog Royval. Brandon Rodog Royval. So, Kempflo, we're just looking for that first syllable to be emphasized. That's all we're really mm-hmm. looking for today, right? Royval instead of Royval, right? I like it. All right. Brandon Royval fighting Alessandre Pantoja. Eight picks, though, to get to before we get to the title fights. And let us begin our last UFC card of 2023 with our first selection and early prelim in the light heavyweight division. 15th ranked Dustin Jacoby, modest 245. Number 14, Alonzo Menafield is plus 200. So Menafield has only lost once in his last seven fights. Bri, your mm-hmm. thoughts on him here? A plus 200 underdog against the former glory kickboxer Dustin Jacoby. Yeah, we got 10 fights and I don't want to spend all time, you know, I want to get some of the meat and potatoes. No disrespect to any fighters if I cut them short. Lots of men to feel big, powerful brute. Won by submission last time out, which is interesting. He's involving his cardio is getting better. He's big power, but I feel like he's limited. Dustin Jacoby, I think, is a sniper. I think he's great on the feet. His movement's great. His cardio is good as well. I think leg kicks and distance are going to play a factor in here. I don't see the Jacoby finishing uh Menafield. I see a decision happening here. So give me uh Dustin Jacoby. I'm fairly confident in that pick. All right, Dustin Jacoby right now on DraftKings Sportsbook, minus 245. So Menafield trying to close out the year with another win here. He's coming off that bonus winning knockout of Kennedy in Zechaku. Sneaky big fight here at 205 pounds, Ken Flo. It's interesting when you look at Menafield, right? The only loss in the last couple of years was William Knight of all people. Uh, any value for you here on Menafield plus 200? Or are you aligned with Bry? Yeah, you know, I, I do see some value. I, I think that um, his best 
path to victory is via the takedown, grounded pound, kind of getting position and stuff like that. But Jacoby has been very difficult to kind of hold down if you do get him down. Um, and I, what concerns me a little bit is sometimes the efficiency of Metafield. Uh, I do think he can win this fight, but I think Jacoby's just going to be a little cleaner, a little sharper on the feet. Um, and as the fight goes on, I think I give him a better chance of not only winning the fight, but potentially finishing the fight. So I, I'm, I'm with Brian here. I like Jacoby as well. And by the way, it was Jacoby uh, and not Menafield who had that knockout of Kennedy and Zetchiku. Alonzo Menafield and Kennedy and Zetchiku, longtime training partners at Fortis MMA. All right, next prelim for us can be seen on ESPN2 in the States at Flyweight. Casey O'Neill, minus 198. Ariane Lipsky, plus 164. Anakin Florian, podcast supporter and listener. Casey O'Neill, by the way, about a 2-1 favorite here. Trying to sort of bri reannounce herself as a divisional contender following the first loss of her career to Jennifer Maya back in March. Your thoughts on her here against the streaking queen of violence, Ariane Lipsky. Yeah, Lipsky's won three or four. She kind of came in the UFC with a little bit of hype. She's a beautiful girl and then never really added up. Now she's three or four and she's looking dangerous. And then Casey O'Neill, I'm a huge fan of. Casey O'Neill came in the UFC a little bit raw, but had immense talent, immense heart, blew her knee out, came back against her toughest competition in Jennifer Maya. And that was a fucking scrap. Those, those females threw down. Casey O'Neill just fell a little bit behind, but again, Coming off an injury, a year, almost a year off, fighting high-level competition like Jennifer Maya, that's a tough, ta- uh, tall task to ask. And it was a very close fight. I love Casey O'Neill in this spot. I thought you'd be a higher number. Uh, Lipsky is on a little bit of a run here. Like I said, three out of four. But I just think Casey O'Neill is better everywhere. Aggression, I like a finish for Casey O'Neill in this as well. I think she's mean in there. I think she's tough and mean. Uh, maybe like a ground-and-pound finish in there for, uh, for Casey O'Neill. Injuries have been part of the narrative on Casey O'Neill, of course, even had a fight book with Viviani Araujo in September. She was forced to pull out of that one. Kemflo Lipsky, 2-0 in 2023. She trained extensively earlier this year with Amanda Nunez exclusively at that Lioness studio. Your thoughts on her here against the 2-1 favorite Casey O'Neill? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I did see improvements in her striking. Uh, um, you know, I think that um, if this fight happened maybe two uh, fights ago, three fights ago, I would say that Casey O'Neill um, is the better fighter everywhere. I think Ariani kind of stepped it up. I think she's a little bit more technical on the feet at this standpoint, perhaps. Uh, but like Brian said, I, I like the pacing. I like the aggression of O'Neill. And I think her best path to victory, not to say that she can't hurt Lipsky on the feet, but I think her best path to victory is taking this fight to the ground and just making it ugly and chaotic mm. and bringing that aggression and overwhelming her on the ground with her pacing and all that ground and pound. So, yeah, I, I like O'Neal here as well. Um, I, I think there's some decent value on Lipsky if she can keep this on the feet. Uh, and stop those takedowns. I think that's where it can get interesting. It just comes down to how she's able to manage the clock uh, and how well she's able to get back to her feet. But uh, I do see O'Neal causing a lot of problems for her. Um, and I think we're going to see a better performance than the one we saw against Maya because I actually picked O'Neal in that fight. I thought she was going to pull that one off. Yep. Uh, maybe she wasn't as confident with you know c- coming off that injury. But I think we see a different O'Neal here and a better O'Neal. So give me Casey. All right, we are aligned on the chalk thus far. Next prelim, former UFC Bantamweight champion Cody Garbrandt, the minus 205 favorite against Brian Boom Kelleher, who comes back plus 170. So Kelleher, Brian, had neck surgery earlier this Mm -hmm. year, fighting for the first time since June of 2022 when he lost a fight to Mario Bautista. Garbrandt was to face Bautista this past August, but Cody, no love, forced to pull out of that one. Now he takes on Brian Kelleher. Your thoughts on this one, BP, at 135 pounds. 
<sighs> Every time I talk about Cody Garbrandt, it's like it's like a it's like a it just hurts, right? Because my one of my all time favorite performances is him versus Dominic Cruz. That was one of the best performances I've ever seen. Everything was on point from that night. And then he kind of let it go a little bit. And then now he's trying to find out what he wants to do. The Trevin Jones fight, his last time out, he won. It was a little bit boring. He mixed in wrestling, which I think is smart. You can't go out there and slang and bang the whole time. Cody is incredibly athletic, fast. It's right here. It's right here. What's the problem? He gets hit, drops his hands and goes crazy, right? Uh, he needs to be able to wrangle that. And you got Brian Kellner, who was a dangerous guy. I don't think he has the biggest power in the world. Really good guillotine choke coming off a really bad neck injury. I love Brian Kellner. I think he's the best rapper on the UFC roster. I mean, John, tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, you, I mean, do you think bar Dark nasty bar, Bryce him? Mitchell is the uh, best? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and Bryce Mitchell, and they're both Bryce on the Mitchell's good too. I was going to compare him to Tyron Woodley, who's no longer in the UFC, but you know, I'll beat it's your ass. Rap. If Tyron Woodley's the, you know, uh, famous. Dude, I'll beat your ass. T Wood was good. I don't even ask him now. That was a good song, but no, I mean, I mean, Sterling can rap, but. Bryce Mitchell is the I've best never heard theorist on the UFC roster. And he's also fighting this week. This is how I get in trouble, Brian. Yeah, you, you no, get in no, trouble. I'm sorry. I, I pivoted here. Radar. But, you know, I'm a man of truth. And you put that in my face. But uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> so. But you're telling me that Kelleher can spit it as well, huh? I like Kelleher. He, he usually does like a weekly bar thing. He posts on Twitter or whatever like that. Good guy. Good fighter. Um, Everything in my body wants me to take Brian Keller because I feel like Brian Keller could clip Cody, but I just can't. My Ohio instincts, my Ohio blood won't betray Cody. I still think if he has a good night, he's a problem for anyone. I'm glad he's not fucking with 125 anymore. That was a disaster in my opinion. It took him like six months to get there. Killed his body. Um, give me Cody Garbrandt. I know a lot of people are going to be on Kellen Her. I like Cody Garbrandt in the spot. Ken Flo, Cody Garbrandt, minus 205. Brian Kelleher, plus 170. Who do you love? Yeah, an interesting one here. Um, yeah, you know, Brian, I, I agree. It's, it's nuts that Cody Garbrandt is both responsible for perhaps the most genius performance of all time when he beat Dominic Cruz yeah. to perhaps maybe this one of the silliest performances from a strategy standpoint in, in the one against TJ Dillashaw. We were yeah. like, wait a sec. How are, how is this the same person? And, right. you know, obviously Cody has all the talent in the world. You know, when you're talking about it, we've talked about it a lot, John, uh, a class athlete, you know, uh, Cody is right there. There's no question about that, but sometimes the decision-making during a fight of getting overly emotional of getting hit and going, Oh, well, guess what? I'm going to do this. And then getting caught with something himself or getting taken down at inopportune times. I, it's tough to, rely on Cody, uh, you know, and, and know that he's going to bring his best self every single time out. And, you know, from playing football for a long time to fighting for a long time, I do worry about that chin at times. However, I think he's going to be good here. I think he wow. does need to mix in some wrestling here. He needs to be smart with how he trades with uh, Brian Kelleher. I think that's where maybe he struggles a little bit of when he needs to be in front of someone and when he should attack and when he should kind of retreat or counter. Um, so I, I think that there's been a little bit of a misunderstanding there, which is crazy because he was so brilliant against someone like Dominic Cruz in, in, in that fight. So, yeah, I like Cody here. I, I think he gets it done. I, there's no question that he's the better fighter. He He's maybe the better fighter against 99% of people in that division. How he shows up at Capizzo is a different story, but give me Cody Garbrandt here. I've, I've been a big fan of his. Um, some of his approaches and strategies have been questionable, but I, I think he's able to get it done and, and, and get the win over a dangerous Kelleher. 
All right, moving on now to the women's bantamweight division. It will crown a new champion in January. But first, fifth-ranked Irene Aldana, minus 198. Ninth-ranked Carol Hosa, plus 164. So Aldana Bry, the recent world title challenger, back for the first time since she faced Amanda Nunes in June. Carol Hosa on the other side coming off a split win over Yana Santos July 1st. Got any action on this one, Kit? Uh, yeah, I like Aldana. I like her big. I mean, listen, before the Amanda Nunes fight, uh, Amanda Nunes, excuse me, she, she knocked out three of her four opponents. Like, this this is a really dangerous woman. Tall, lanky, good boxing, good head kick. She laid a complete fucking egg in Nunes. I don't know who that fighter was that showed up. It was not the arena Donna that we have seen fight before. And then you got Hosa, who is a very measured fighter, likes to fight at her own pace. She's going to smother you. She's going to clinch you against the cage. She's going to try to slow you down. I think if Aldana can keep range, she's going to pick Hosa apart here. I like Aldana. I like the number as well. Uh, and I'm going to play it by finish. Kemflo, when I sent you guys these, the lines, uh, when I sent you guys these, I guess Aldana was like minus 205, now down to minus 198, moving a little bit towards Cadol Hosa, but BP pretty convicted on the uh, on the side of the Mexican. What are your thoughts? You want me to go deep on this fight? You want me to break it down completely, guys? Spend <laughs> 10 to 15 minutes? Is that what you want? Kind Not going to no. happen. Uh, listen, it's going to be, uh, I think Aldana, I think Aldana jabs her face off. I, I think that's what happens here. I think she keeps her on the outside. She, she's just a better athlete. She's longer. She's rangier. Um, I think she gives Hosa a really tough time on the outside. I, I don't see Hosa being that effective from the clinch either. I think Aldana comes out hot and, uh, and gets the win. All right, next fight for us, featured prelim, featherweight division, Bryce Mitchell, minus 192, Josh Emmett, plus 160. So Thug Nasty, the best rapper in the UFC, stepping right. in on less than two weeks' notice, replacing Giga Chikadze, Bry. Mm -hmm. So Emmett has lost both of his fights this year, last of which an absolute bludgeoning at the hands of Ilya Topuria. That was a five-round main event in June. It was the fight of the night. Emmett just showcasing, as usual, his otherworldly toughness. But now instead of facing the striker Chikadze, he gets the grappler Mitchell. I'd imagine there were several fights presented to Emmett. Mm -hmm. He lands on Mitchell, who is a two-to-one favorite to beat him. Your thoughts? Yeah, there's a lot of rumors people taking a Diego Lopez name got thrown out there. And then we, we, we end up with Bryce Mitchell, which is a big name. And, and for a big card, it fits. Interesting matchup because Josh Emmett is the wrestler. He has the wrestling base, but we've never really seen him get taken down and put on his back until the Toporia fight. And that's all Bryce Mitchell wants to do. I got it, Bryce Mitchell, because he looked bad against Saporia and then looked great against Dinige. Use that wrestling. Use the aggressiveness. He is a tough kid. Um, he's constantly working on his skills. And this is the first time I think Bryce Mitchell's ever really taken something on short notice. He's typically a guy that waits months, and he doesn't jump on fights early. So he must be in shape. He must be ready to go. And I like that. However, pulling to Kenny, Kenny Florian, however, I never get these guys right. I can never predict them right. So what the fuck am I going to do taking the, the favorite here? Give me Josh Emmett. I like his power. If he can stop Bryce Mitchell's takedown, it's going to be a problem because Josh Emmett's not quitting. Three rounds, you got to kill Josh Emmett. I don't think Bryce Mitchell has the firepower or the submissions capabilities to do that. He can lay on him, get a three-round decision, sure. But kill or be killed, fight-stopping power. You go, Josh Emmett. You go, dog hunting. Let's go. Ken Flo, Bryce Mitchell. Recently, resounding win over Dan Ige. That was not that long ago, September 23rd. He improves to 16-1. and one. Only career loss came against Ilya Topuria. He was kind of violently ill going into that fight with respect to the still undefeated Ilya Topuria. Your thoughts on Bryce Mitchell, minus 192, despite the short notice here against the former title challenger, Josh Emmett. 
You know, John, we we have a sick Brian Petrie here. You know, he's a little under the weather. I was hoping it would take away from his sharpness, his, his eye, his research, something. But no, he's on to it, John. You know, we're, we're kind of going all favorites here, and I think we're going to yeah. see a shift here. I'm looking for some underdog uh, bets myself, and yeah. I, I like this one as well. I, I think that Josh Emmett uh, has a lot of power, in it, and I, I do think if he ends up on his back in this fight, Bryce Mitchell can finish it, right? But I do think it's going to be a difficult thing to take down Emmett and keep him down. Um, I, I, I like Emmett here. I think his wrestling should be good enough to keep it on the feet. And when you have a guy with that kind of power, like Emmett, I, I think he's always a threat. Um, he does have a ton of experience. My only question mark is how does he recover and come back yeah. physically and mentally from that last beating of Taporia? Because right. we certainly have seen it before where a guy isn't quite the same after something like that. So that's the question mark for me. But when I see an underdog, underdog bet, I see the odds like this for Emmett. I'll take the underdog here. No disrespect to, to Bryce Mitchell, who's an yeah. awesome fighter. I just I just like uh, Emmett here in this spot. It's a tough matchup for Mitchell, I think. All right, Ken Flo and Brian Petrie both like the under dick Josh Emmett. Is that what you said, Ken Flo? The under dick? Under Did dog? I say under dick? I saw John smile when Kenny said that. I was like, here we under, go. Here we under go. dick. Huh? That's what I said. Yeah, That's weird. Go underdog. I'll have to do some investigation for, <laughs> any, for any Freudian slips. That's weird. <laughs> underdog. <laughs> what am I doing? To the pay-per-view Main card, UFC 296. I like to do that once a show with my family downstairs. We're in the master bedroom right now. There's your wide shot if you're on the video side. But I like to do that once a show just to keep my family and uh, this new puppy on their respective toes. Ian Gary, Ian Machado Gary, Brian, minus 360, Vicente Luque, plus 285. So Machado Gary, undefeated, 13-0, beat Neil Magny in Boston back in August. Now he draws the most credentialed opponent of his career to date, Vicente Luque, who has fought 20 times in the UFC, which way are you going here, favorite or underdog, Brian Petrie? I mean, does everybody just be talking about Ian Gary lately? What's going on? Cody and I have had conversations. He's got an interesting life. It's not my life, not something I would live, but I do not pass judgment on others. Ian Gary does his thing. It is what it is. He's a fantastic fighter. That's all we can, we can suggest from this. I messaged my guy, Chris Curtis, and I said, Ian Gary's been kicked out of three gyms. When you trained with him, was he a fucking dick? What, what was, you know, he was the nicest kid, humble kid, and they, they worked well together. It was only two days, though, right? So you got all these stories. He got knocked out by Leon. Someone knocked him out at Kill Cliff. Vicente Luque submitted him at Kill Cliff, which Ian Gary has fully admitted. Um, but this is a good fight for Ian Gary. This is exactly what he needs. Vicente Luque, last time he fought a really dangerous striker in Jeff Neal, he didn't look the same. He got rocked twice. Got beat up all over the cage. That's uncharacteristic of a guy with an iron chin. Could these wars be catching up with him? He rebounded well against RDA and looked pretty good, fought smart, took RDA down. Uh, I look for him to take Ian Gary down in this fight since he had success submitting Ian Gary in practice. I know practice is practice. We're talking about practice, man. I know it's practice, but uh, I like Ian Gary a lot. I'm a fan of the guy. I think he's going to be fighting for a title soon. I know all the outside noise. People might not like them. People are really excited about what Colby's going to say at the press conference if they have an interaction. The press conference is going to be dynamite this week. But I think Ian Gary is a legit dude with legit skills. Um, he's long. He's rangy. He's powerful. He's smart. Um, I wish he – and I'm hoping that the training camp he has now, which I believe is in Brazil, hopefully that is like permanent. I don't love a young guy running around too much. I want him to have a little bit of a home base. And when you're not fighting, then you can go explore and see other talent. But 
Uh, maybe that might be too much for him right now, being a young man. He's only 26, but I like Ian Gary. The number's hefty, though. I will say that. 360, whoop, that's, a little ch- that's a little chunky for your boy, but throw him in a parlay. Don't even think about it. Give me Ian Gary. Canflo, Ian Gary, minus 360. Vicente Luque, plus 285. Your thoughts? Very, very interesting fight here. Um, and, and I think the press conference should be a little interesting yeah. with Ian Gary if he's in a man. That's going to be... Yeah, bring your popcorn. I think everyone's going to be trying to take a shot there. So Ian Gary better have them hands up. Um, <laughs> but listen, I, I think Ian is very talented. I think he's the better striker here. Um, but I, I like that approach from Vicente Luque in his last fight. And mm-hmm. and I couldn't agree more with Brian. I think that's got to be his path here. Try to put Gary on his back. Utilize his striking for sure. Uh, but be more of a counter striker, maybe even back him up a little bit more. Try to get Ian Gary on his bike, pin him up against the cage. Look for those takedowns there where you can utilize that jujitsu advantage. Um, I'm sure Ian Gary is working on that. Um, of course, having that intel, having trained with someone like Luke is going to help him here. But I see value plus 285 for Vicente yeah. Luque. Um, you know, I don't think it goes well for him if he's not able to get a takedown. Um, Ian will either maybe get a TKO or, or outpoint him for a decision win. But I think there's enough value for me and Vicente Luque to, to go his way. So give me the Brazilian. Wow. By Vicente Luque plus 285. If you want my thoughts on Ian Machado, Gary, they'll be up on MMA fighting later this week. Hopefully hey, not in the clickbait variety. But largely, I think it's just noise. And I have a lot of respect for Ian and his wife. I think they're both very intelligent people. All right. At lightweight, Patty Pimblett minus 360, same price against Tony Ferguson, plus 285. So Pimblett underwent surgery following his last win over Jared Gordon. Brian, that was exactly one year ago today. Mm-hmm. Ferguson on the other side will be 40 in February. He's the former interim lightweight champion. 12 successive wins have given way to six consecutive losses. But a lot of people fancy him a live underdog here. A lot of people feel like this is a winnable fight against Patty Pimblett. We need your prediction. Pimblett minus 360, Ferguson plus 285. So I saw Patty Pimblett fight live in Vegas, and it was a very underwhelming performance against Jared Gordon. However, the walkout was electric. The minute he walked out, I was looking for a fucking Patty wig. Let me buy that off your head for 20 bucks, whatever it was. The guy, the guy has something, right? And had like three different ankle surgeries coming back. He's fighting a guy in Tony Ferguson who I think he's lost a little bit. The whole David Goggins thing, and I respect David Goggins a lot, what he does. But I don't think Tony really needs to work on his cardio and his mental. I think those were pretty good. He needed to work on his skills. And obviously, this could be smoke and mirrors. But is he working on his, his takedown offense, which has been non-existent? Has he been working on his defense, which has been non-existent? You know, he still hits hard. He still has those thundering power. He's got big old hands. He can hit you. But, you know, Patty's a young breed who likes to get the fight to the ground, who smothers you on top. He's very good when the fight goes to the ground. And Tony's kind of stagnant. You know, he plays Kind of a half-ass rubber guard. Doesn't really work to get up. You know, maybe we'll try for a submission here there because it's worked in the past. I don't think it's going to work here. I see why people like Tony Ferguson, the value low over Patty. Patty has a lot of haters out there. I don't think he's, I don't know. I don't know if he's ever going to be world champ, but for this fight and this fight in particular, I think he is going to dominate Tony Ferguson. And I think he's going to submit Tony Ferguson in or around second or third round. Give me Patty the batty, baby. Ken Flo, Patty the Batty, Pimblet, minus 360 right now. The favorite on DraftKings Sportsbook, Tony Ferguson, plus 285. Who do you like? You know, I, I think that when you see what promotions have done over the years, especially with the UFC, and, and you see a kind of narrative like this where one guy is set to kind of 
streak upwards and another guy who has been on a steady decline. Um, you kind of see what's happening. You, one guy is trying to get put over. And typically the UFC knows exactly what they're doing when they put together these fights like this. Um, and um, it usually goes well for the new breed of fighter. That guy is who is starting to you know, go up on that trajectory. And, and Patty is a very popular fighter. The UFC knows what they're doing. And for Tony, uh, what concerns me most is just his movement. I have never and no one should ever question the heart Mm -hmm. of a Tony Ferguson. I don't think you should ever question even his conditioning. This guy is not going to quit. And I couldn't agree more, Brian. It was kind of a it was a weird decision to see him out there training with David Goggins. Um, You know, maybe there 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 was a reason to do it, maybe because he lost a certain passion, perhaps maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, But still. For me, I would have liked to seen some kind of switch up with maybe like his striking approach and footwork mm-hmm. and movement stuff. Whether that is neurological, like we've kind of discussed in the past, or whether that is kind of uh, Tony and the way that he moves, which is unorthodox, uh, admittedly. But I-, I was concerned with the way that he's moving out there. And I think for Patty, who is not necessarily known as the best striker in the world, I think this is setting him up to look pretty good on the feet. Uh, if it stays on the feet, I also think that the the biggest concern for me is Bobby Green submitting Tony Ferguson. Um, mm. I, I think Patty can certainly do the same, and um, you know, unfortunately for Tony, he he's been on a decline, and and I don't really love that. So uh, I, I'm taking Patty here. All right, next up, featured bout on pay per view at welterweight. Shavkat Rachmanov minus five twenty. Stephen Waterboy Thompson plus three ninety. Wonderboy, of course, was to face Michel Pereira in Salt Lake City in July. He did not accept the fight after the weight miss by Pereira. Rachmanov, some people think right now he's the best welterweight in the world. He's 17-0 last time out. He got a good test from Jeff Neal. He passed it. Ken Flo will lead with you here. That was at UFC 285 in March. Rachmanov, a huge favorite coming up this weekend against Stephen Thompson. He is a huge favorite. Um, And watching his last fight against Jeff Neal, it solidified the fact that this guy has an iron chin and when it gets tough, he's going to be right there in your face. So for me, uh, that was a great sign. What wasn't a great sign, though, was the fact that he was, I don't want to say easy to hit, but he is hitable. And when you have a guy in Wonder Boy who was able to find the mark, who was known as not necessarily a knockout striker, but he's known as a precise striker, a tricky striker. Uh, I, I don't think he's as fast right now at 41 than when like when he first came into the UFC certainly I think we've seen a little bit of a drop off if we see a big drop off that's when I go ah wonder boy kind of maybe should stop I, I don't see that kind of decline at this stage of the game sometimes I worry about maybe the passion of the work ethic but if you face a guy like Rachmanov you gotta assume that you know that's going to get you going. This is something that needs to motivate you. So I'm I'm curious from a just a fan standpoint how Wonder Boy looks in this fight. Um, you know when I'm making a decision on something like this, I you know I try to not let my fanboy get too involved here, but maybe it is getting involved a little bit too much because I like Wonder Boy here. I I think that um I think he's going to be able to to be a tricky striker out there. I don't like his odds if he gets. Uh, if he gets put on his back against Rachmanov, who has some excellent grounded pound and d- seems to not tire. Um, Rachmanov is the easy pick, but I don't always go with the easy pick. I need some points as well. I think Wonder Boy needs to use his tricky game to get it done, to confuse Rachmanov. Um, so give me Wonder Boy.
I like um, it. Wonder will be 41 in February. Rachmanov, 29 years of age. A lot of people would even just look at the age as a jumping off point for the handicap. Ken Flo likes mm-hmm. the value on Wonderboy plus 390. <laughs> Rachmanov minus 520. Brian Petrie, who do you have? Yeah, Rachmanov is the easy pick. And I'm going the easy route, Ken Flo. Give me the easy pick here. No, I love your prediction. I love the the, the play on Wonderboy. Wonderboy, if you stand up a Wonderboy, I mean, you look and watch the Jeff Neal fight. That's the last fighter and Kevin Holland who truly just stood up with him. And he dominates. He, he, he's really, really good. His muscles, his quick, quick muscles are still there. He's still fast. He's still explosive. But when you mix in takedowns like Bilal did, like Gilbert Burns did, it just shuts him down. You know what I mean? He, he's not as active. He doesn't throw many strikes. And this is going to be really an IQ test for me, for Shafkov Rachmanov, who I have. I think he's going to be champion. But if he goes out there and goes, I'm a slang and bang with Steve Wonderboy Thompson. What's the worst can happen? Well, you're going to get knocked out or you're going to lose the decision, right? So I want to see him fight smart, mix in his takedowns, get Stephen Boy uncomfortable, Stephen Wonderboy uncomfortable, take over the fight that way. I know he's got this crazy finish record, like all his wins are by finish. Hopefully that's not playing in his head because, you know, he could finish, but just, just get the win, right? Don't do anything fancy. Don't get in your own way. Um, but this feels like a trap for sure. Kenny's, you know, Kenny avoid the trap. I think I'm stepping right the fuck in it. Uh, but give me Shafkovar. Manoff. All right. That brings us to the two title fights. First up, the co-main event for the undisputed UFC flyweight title. Alessandre Pantoja minus 175. Brandon Royval plus 145. As most of you probably know, this is a rematch of a fight won by the champion Pantoja. That was August of 2021. Pantoja won by submission in round two. Royval since has won three in a row. And that has set up the world title fight coming up this weekend. Brian Petrie, I'm very intrigued to see which way you guys are going on this one. Pantoja, relatively short price for his first title defense, minus 175 against Brandon Royball. So I was talking about earlier how Cody's performance over um, Dom Cruz, one of my favorite. Pantoja over Moreno is, is currently on that list for me as well. The heart he displayed, the shots he took, he looked like he was out, cardio done, rebounds, makes adjustments and realizes I can take this guy down and hold him down a little bit. Won a close fight, won the title, you know, had that amazing post-fight speech. I'm a fan. And I've, I've never really, he's flown under my radar. I'm a fan. I've rewatched the first fight. Roy Ball has definitely changed a little bit. He's kind of a wild man. He came out doing crazy shit, got a little tired, got finished. That's kind of what he used to do. He has now stepped back a little bit, goes, I don't need to be that wild man because I have the length, I have the skills, I don't need to go crazy, right? I, I'm not going to change. He still goes crazy a little bit. I'm not going to change myself completely, but I'm not going to do balls to the walls and get gassed out. I'm going to pace myself and pick my spots, and I think he's looked really good. I love his nickname, too, Raw Dog. Imagine UFC champs nickname Raw Dog. I right, mean, right. they might have to make change that. I mean, I know Chad Mendez's nickname used to be Money Shot, and they're like, no, we got we to change that there. But, um, but when I look at this fight, you know, I think Pantoja is just a little bit cleaner everywhere. I think Royval is dangerous. I think Royval can finish this fight more so than maybe Pantoja. Pantoja can submit him. But I think on the feet and all that crazy stuff, you're looking at Royval. And I would play Royval by some kind of finish. I think you're going to get a nice number. But for me, it's and still Pantoja. Ken Flo, co-main event at UFC 296 for the undisputed flyweight title. Pantoja or Royval for you. It's going to be exciting while it lasts. And I, I think, you know, Brian, spot on once again, I, I think that Royval's best bet is to kind of just bring chaos and look for the finish from the get-go. Pantosha's is just so consistent, though. Um, e- even in the fights 
that he has lost in the past, you're never seeing him getting smoked. Like he's never been finished over the course of his career. Look at the level of competition that he's faced in his last few fights. Brandon Moreno, Alex Perez, Brandon uh, Brandon Royval again, uh, Manel Cap. I mean, these are these are excellent fighters. I don't see this changing, and I also see an even better Pantoja than the one we saw against Brandon Moreno. I think this guy is only going to get better. He proved a lot in that performance against Moreno. Um, just his ability to be smart throughout a fight, make good decisions, show heart, know how to know how to adjust. I think that's only going to propel him that much more in this one. He has too much skill everywhere. Uh, I like Moreno. Uh, sorry, I like Moreno. I like Pantoja here. Wouldn't be surprised to see him get the win. I also want to put plus five units on Pantoja. Let's go, baby. Five units on Pantoja at minus one seventy-five for Kenflow. All right. Some breaking news of this hour, and the secret is now out. It comes out at a perfect time. I've been holding on to this for several weeks. So, Bilal, remember the name Muhammad will indeed weigh in as the backup for the undisputed welterweight title fight in Las Vegas between Leon Edwards and Colby Covington. Deservedly doesn't even begin to describe it. So that is very good news, certainly for anyone who has followed this show or the Anakin Florian Podcast YouTube channel. Congratulations to Bilal Muhammad because that's a big deal. Nice. Uh, that several weeks ago, in fact, he was uh, given that news. All right. Main All right. event, Bri, for the undisputed UFC yeah. Welterweight Championship. Leon Edwards minus 148. Colby Covington plus 124. Covington back for the first time since the win over Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. That was UFC 272. March 2022. Only man to beat Colby Covington dating to 2015, Kamar Usman, the man that Edwards twice has beaten recently. Now he's got Covington in the crosshairs. Which way are you going, BP, on the main event? Love this main event to close the year. Um, both these guys are different. Leon's quiet and Colby runs his mouth. And people love Colby for that. I, you know, I'm mixed on Colby, if I'm being honest with you. I think I think sometimes he gets ahead of his skis, but, you know, he's trying to sell. He's trying to make money. Do what you got to do. Um, I love 170 pounds right now. I, you know, I know 55, 35 are the hot. 170 pounds got some killers, man. We got we got some real killers at welterweight, and I can't wait for the future. Uh, you look at Leon Edwards, and, and this is a guy who I did not think would be Kamar Usman. The first fight was very impressive. John, your call was unbelievable. We got to mention that. And But he was losing the whole fight, right? But the will and the termination was, was amazing on display, his corner work. The second fight was very close, but that's where he really kind of separated himself. Like, okay, I know I'm better than this guy. First fight was maybe a little lack of confidence because he had lost to him before. I should say second fight, not first fight, first title fight. The, the third title fight was like, oh, I got this guy. I know how to beat him. He's not going to take me down. I'm, I know how to defend, and I'm going to piece him up on the feet. And I think that's what he has to do with Colby. The problem is Colby just doesn't stop moving forward, right? His defense isn't on... It isn't something worldly, but you got a sharpshooter in Leon Edwards who tends to kind of just sharpshoot. I would like to see a little more, um, little more volume out of Leon. That left hand is a piston. The head kicks are going to keep Colby off balance. Colby, when he takes you down, he doesn't keep you down, right? Leon's hard to take down and hard to hold down, right? I think Leon can take Colby down as well. Let's see Colby off his back. That'd be interesting. You know, he took down Usman and mounted him right away. There's a lot of possibilities this fight can happen. Um, but I got a parlay cooking here. It's already placed. Wow. I'm gonna go and still and still champion for Leon Edwards and still champion Alexander Pantoja. The and still champ parlay on DraftKings Sportsbook plus 165. It's a gorgeous number. Both the champs are a little low, but the main event is going to be, I think it's gonna be fireworks. I think there's gonna be a lot of ups and downs, but I like Rocky here, man. I think I think he's he's the real deal. 
And you're the real deal. Brian Petrie at Brian Petrie MMA giving us 10 selections today. And you may wonder why I'm outroing you now because Ken Flo's prediction on the main event is actually coming up on our episode later this week on Thursday, his final selection of the year, Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington. But Brian, we appreciate the time. Outstanding contributions all year. We will have you as part of our award show coming up on Monday, January 1st. But this does it for the predictions this year. Revamped main event challenge for 2024. You're going to factor prominently in all of that. But uh, great stuff this year. And uh, if you do hold on to beat Kemflow, we'll be uh, sure to congratulate you here in about 10 days or so. Kid. Let me say one thing before I go, guys. This is, I mean, this is my last show of the year, you know, because of the main event challenge. It's, this is a dream come true. I was a day one listener thinking I could do this. Now I'm doing it. And it's unbelievable. It's surreal. This is my first full year doing it. I, it's been about 18 months to 20 months. We, we had the crowd situation before. Um, and this has just changed my life. I mean, the Nashville getting to go backstage, meeting all these great people um, and, and getting to work with the best and being validated by the best. And you and Kenny and Cody, it, it literally every day, it, make, it, it makes me feel great. Um, what it makes me even feel better is that the guys that I look up to are better human beings. They're better friends. And I can really rely on that. So thank you guys so much for changing my life and giving me this opportunity and uh, to the moon next year, baby. Let's go. You're the man, BP. Thank you, buddy. You're uh, you're a huge part of the show and uh, your words definitely mean a lot. And uh, yeah, man, buckle up. Big things coming up, hopefully in 2024. Have a great holiday and uh, we will talk to you soon, brother. Enjoy the pay-per-view. Thank you. See you guys. By the way, MMA junkie Farah Hanoon breaking the news on Bilal Muhammad away and is the backup at UFC 296. All right, we got to get on out of here. Don't forget Bilal Muhammad, Jason Anik. Remember the show. I actually think they're going to be live on location from Las Vegas. That can be ingested on the Anik and Florian podcast YouTube channel. Anik Squared, of course, me and Jay with some NFL picks coming up later this week. JohnAnik.com. All of the merchandise is there. Check our social channels for promo codes. I think Holiday actually still works as well. KennyFlorianMartialArts.com. Argus Integrated Defense. And we are back with you coming up this Thursday. We will talk to Macy Barber. We'll talk to Hayden Iverson and we will get you Ken Flo's main event prediction for UFC 296 Edwards versus Covington in Las Vegas. Thank you to our guests, Ray Longo and Brian Petrie. Our executive producer is Cody Merrow. Thank you all for listening, for subscribing. Tell your friends. We appreciate all the support. JohnAnnick.com for the merchandise for Ken Flo. I'm John Anik. We'll talk to you on Thursday, if not sooner. Until then, you'll fucking live. Time I start a verse, I break at least three commandments. Kinda like Pluto because I never plan it. I'm outlandish in the way that make the patches look like they own ranches. It's the art of war. Your blood's the only color on the canvas. And I don't mean it like a thug sense of how you can get God. Fuck being gangsta, I'm hip-hop. You got it every time you walk in the label. The A&R's like, not it. Immune to your shit because I circle, circle, dot, dot it. Body heat is intoxic. We got a beat. I don't got it. Speak opposite. Start to think psychically. Make the speakers speak elitistly. Off the high horse. Make an ass of the views. Your DJ must not know the alphabet for getting his cues. My favorite DJ got those are six extra L's to abuse. Esoteric John P and I'm the new kid school. I'm Raider Ellis. Nice to meet you. Show busting my styles. Egocentric, ego tripping with frequent fly smiles. DJ wants to get in the bird. He gets in the bird. And bird takes the shot. He's- you